0: Lord of majesty, power, and restoration, you, Lord, who wants us not to live a life of affliction, but a life of joy and perfect establishment through Christ Jesus. Here we come crying before you, Father, and seeking you. Lord of restoration, we pray that you shall restore us in your glory, Father, as fallen men, and that we shall be edified and glorified in your holy presence. Father, we know that only then shall your comfort and restoration completely come and your prosperity O King of glory. I remember, my friends, wherever they are, my Father, people that have gotten out of their positions in Christ, and maybe those that are in their positions in Christ but are struggling in one way or the other, cannot pray the way that they should. They do not see the prosperity of the Lord. They do not get to see the comfort of the Lord, and yet they count on Him in their lives. I pray that God of restoration, You shall come. May You be restored in Your joy once again. May be restored in Your comfort in the Lord once again. May be restored in the peace that only God can give down here on earth once again. May God make you sail over and above the waves of your life that you're experiencing right now. Thus those that make you feel like God has abandoned you and has afflicted you and no longer cares about you. There are ways that we feel like that. But today I pray that the Lord of restoration that was able to restore Israel and is continuing right now in our generation to restore them until that time that he has promised. I pray that God shall restore us in his glory, in his comfort, in his prosperity, in his joy, in his peace, and in the truth that is in his word. We bless you, King of glory. In jesus my name we have prayed and believed amen amen uh, friends um a blessed blessed day once again and my name is reverend david kagwa uh, your your dear dear servant by the grace of god that has come back once again uh, to bring the truth of god from the holy pages of scripture and uh we are focusing on the book of zechariah we are doing a book study and the last time i was here, we did a teaching on uh, returning back uh, to the lord and we are doing zechariah chapter one verse one to six and we go to realize that god says that come back to me and i shall come back to you and we say that israel had departed from god because of idolatry and um, not prioritizing the lord and many other sins especially the sin of injustice and because of that they were beaten and taken into captivity in babylon but after 70 years the lord brought them back into their own land but uh, when they got back to their land they kind of got complacent And uh, coupled with the enemies that came to them, they did not rebuild the temple of the Lord. And yet we said the temple as of essence in those days was the full manifestation of the glory of the Lord, as uh, the Lord had willed in those days, and therefore that meant being so scornful and irresponsible before um, a God that they really, really claimed to treasure. And uh, that is where we left it um at that point today we want to look at um a god of restoration a god of restoration and when we speak of restoration we are speaking of god restoring israel into uh, their prosperity their comfort that comes as a result of the glory of god returning to the temple of god basically and friends i want to assure you every single person that is living here present on the globe right now needs this uh, needs this permit me to start this way uh, jesus christ is presented as our uh, judge prophet priest and king in 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 fact i should say our ultimate judge uh, prophet priest and king that is how the bible presents him why because um the bible teaches in uh, second Corinthians chapter 5 i think verse 18 he says that from the beginning the lord has been reconciling the world unto himself uh through christ and uh um by, by doing this god has been doing this over the ages through um a couple of images or pictures that were ideally pointing um, to their fulfillment in Christ Jesus, uh, God first of all made an intervention of bringing up um, a salvation to man after the fall of man by um, promising that He was going to bring forth the seed of a woman, as uh, speaking of Christ in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen. But the plan that we later get to see, Jesus or the Lord unveiling was the plan of bringing his own son why because nothing else could have worked because he required a perfect sacrifice at that for the redemption of man so realize that god decided his approach was to appoint a holy nation or a priestly nation so to say as it were uh, for himself and those were none other than the hebrews the jews that arose out of abba and finally abraham that god appointed in genesis chapter 12 so those were the days where the patriarchs and God started on a salvation plan of restoring men unto himself and after the patriarchs came uh, the judges men like Othiniel men like Jephthah you know men of of that nature they came but you get to study the scriptures and they get to tell you that in the days of the judges those were days that Um, men did whatever seemed good unto themselves and then after the patriarchs we see god officially appointing um, uh, prophets and enacting the ministry of prophecy and uh, these came as they were speaking for God. Now, I do not suppose in any way that there were no men that worked as prophets, but the official appointing appointing, and enactment of the ministry of prophecy comes um, after the judges. But there are men that we see that come once in a while, That the man that was commissioned to Eli, and probably you could speak of Moses himself as a prophet, you see, those kind of things. But the official enactment comes ideally in, in Samuel, a man that carried at the office of prophet, priest, uh, you, you see that, and judge, and at and, and the same, and I think last time when God disaggregated that and started appointing men to occupy that, and later on kings came. Now what the Bible does is, it shows you that over the generations, God has had a plan to redeem um man but no other way could have worked except the way of Christ and God has properly properly portrayed that before us and we get to see that uh, and men have gotten to understand that no other way can work um the patriarchs were a mere pointer to Christ the judges failed they followed their own staff and the the, the prophets were killed and persecuted even when they spoke for God they were mere men and um the, the priests failed in one way or the other they were not perfect and uh, the kings when the kings came you could see that they also needed a uh, prophet to guide them but at the same time uh, kings were quite unworthy quite a number of them and this is why God chose David uh, to be a blueprint of um, uh, kingship that god desired not that it was perfect on his own but that god chose to perfect him pointing to the image of christ so finally when christ comes is the one that brings salvation now the book of zechariah as we speak uh like we said has a title that that means zechariah actually means the lord remembers and zechariah has heavy images and overtones of the salvation that god was going to um in due time bring through christ jesus why we say that these people had sinned against god as a result of their adultery and um injustices against fellow man and therefore god <clears throat> and because of that they were taken into captivity their kings had failed their judges had failed and the prophets had done a good job you know speaking for god but they had been killed just like jesus says in the new testament and the patriarchs were a mere foundation uh, pointing to what was later to come now here the lord speaks of restoration um i can give you an example uh, as we stand. Uh, if you've been in a relationship and these kind of relationships where you love someone with all your heart and they kind of walk out on you and they go and they also falter wherever they've gone and then they, they get to discover that their heart belongs to you, you know, that kind of situation and they get back to you and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that, that first encounter like this person comes back and there is repentance and there is reconciliation and you, you know uh, the, the heaviness of hearts being poured and tears being shed you see that kind of um picture of being restored of reconciliation just like eso um met jacob you, you remember that day uh, just like he met uh, jacob uh, and and he fell the bible says he fell upon his neck and the two men cried against each other's necks that is what you call restoration restoration ideally is nothing more than um something or someone being taken back to a position where they had been before and usually a good position um, compared to what they've been experiencing right now that is what i mean that that is what i i basically mean. You see, Um, A a woman has been out of her marriage, for instance, because of one reason or another, but she finally gets back into a position as a married woman, and she feels all the joy of coming back to her children, feels all the joy of being reunited with her husband, and the intimacy and the things that come with it. Friends, that is what restoration is. Now, Zechariah presents eight visions, and this is the first of them all and it kind of summarizes the rest uh it kind of summarizes the rest we are going to do Zechariah chapter 1 verse 7 to verse 17 friends i want to do that very quickly as Zechariah 1 7 to 17 a god of restoration is uh, the one we are speaking about here on the 24th day of the 11th month the month of in the second year of darius take note of that the word of the lord came to the prophet zechariah son of berechiah the son of edo during the night i had a vision and there before me was a man mounted on a red horse he was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine behind him were red brown and white horses i asked what are these my lord and the angel who was talking with me answered i will show you what they are then the man standing among the metal trees explained these are the ones the lord has sent to go through the earth and they reported to the angel of the lord who was uh, standing among the metal trees "Uh, we have gone through throughout the earth and found the whole world rest at rest and in peace then the angel of the lord said lord almighty how long will you withhold mercy from jerusalem and from the towns of judah which you have been angry with these 70 years so the lord spoke kind and comforting words i love that to the angel who talked with him when the angel who was speaking to me said proclaim this word this is what the lord almighty says i am very jealous for jerusalem and zion and i am very angry with the nations that feel secure i was only a little angry but they went too far with the punishment therefore this is what the lord says i will return to jerusalem with mercy and thereby my house and there my house will be built and the measuring line will be stretched out over jerusalem uh, declaring the lord almighty i uh, declares the lord almighty proclaim father this is what the lord almighty says my towns will again overflow with prosperity and the lord will again comfort zion and choose jerusalem the word of the lord <clears throat> praise the lord my dear friend now, let me just paint a little bit of the picture right now for you um Right now, as we speak back in time, um, Judah is back or Israel is back to his promised land after the 70 years of captivity, but it's been about 16 years down the road after their return. And uh, basically when they got back, they tried to reconstruct the temple for about four years, but all they managed was um, a, a pathetic structure um, with the altar of the lord but all these years they were sacrificing to the lord but basically i want you to remember that in those days god had chosen that his glory would be made manifest in the temple and therefore this was not a little act before god it was serious it was in one way or the other Um, a gesture that kind of told God, you know what, you don't matter that much unto who you are, and who we are. We we don't mind so much about you. You remember what Isaiah says, I think must be Isaiah 13, 29, where he says that these men honor me with their lips, but their hearts are very far from me. You understand that kind of thing? A man says, I love you with all my heart, but (laughs) you don't see that about them. So this is the problem. A little wonder, therefore, that when um, Zechariah starts this book, the Lord is beaconing his people to come to him. And he says, return to me and I shall return to you. So basically, what we see in this first vision is a vision that speaks of the reconstruction of the temple of the Lord, the return of the glory of the Lord into the temple and basically the restoration of Israel into its comfort and prosperity you understand that it has overtones of um the millennium kingdom of all oh, the, the many years ahead to come when jesus shall physically come and shall reign down here on earth so we need to understand that <clears throat> god has not um, totally or fully fulfilled uh, this vision here but these are things that are going to come to pass but this is why we we say that our assurance should be in um, in the character of this God who is going to fulfill uh, these things at the end of the age uh, when it finally comes. You, you should have your joy. You should have your peace in this God because the one that has promised actually brings it to pass. This is what um, Paul speaks of in Romans 8, 24, 25. And he says uh, that, that hope is not hope if it is seen, but but yet we are sure of, and we are assured of what we hope for why because the one that has promised is very very faithful um you, you see that so friends i want us to ask the spirit of god to unpack at uh, this for us and today i'm addressing people that feel like they need restoration in their positions in the lord you, you were a worshiper you used to walk in a very very deep fervent relationship with the lord in prayer and you'd get various you know, guidance is from the Lord and you felt your peace and joy there. But now you feel like you're out of your position. Uh, today, I'm here to, friend, encourage you and to, um, together with me, go back into the presence of the Lord and be fully established. And usually this comes as a result of challenges and um, the waves of life that batter us from all corners and points in life. And so uh, this is what we want to focus on, my dear friend. There are about um, four major things that I'm going to take note of here. One is that the Lord restores. Why? Because He is sovereign. Our God is a sovereign Lord, and then we shall see that our fulfillment and full restoration comes in Christ Jesus. We shall also see uh, that the Lord, um, you know, hurts when we hurt. Um, he he he, he restores us through His mercy. Um, He's concerned about His glory upon our lives and there is a God that really really minds about us living under his uh, prosperity and comfort. basically those are things that we are going to be uh, seeing and unpacking down here now in Zechariah chapter 1 verse 7 he starts by unpacking quite some very important things here for us to uh, kind of understand he sets the ground and he basically shows you the plight of the people of God, the anointed people of God, the choice people of God that should be enjoying their peace right now, but uh, they seem to have been uh, living quite uh, very far from that. And yet those that were not the chosen people of God seemed to live under a lot of peace and tranquility. And this is what we want to see. Now in uh, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, on the 24th day of of the 11th, 11th month, at uh, the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berekiah, the son of Edo. Uh, yes, I, I want us to take note of quite a, a number of phrases that he brings out here that are very, very meaning-laden for us to get to understand uh, the point that the Lord is making here. First of all, he says the 24th day of the 11th month, um, the month of Shebat in the second year of darius now darius was not an israelite <laughs> just like you may know from your uh biblical history darius was uh, a persian emperor and now right now what i want you to realize is that they are no longer reckoning time in um, um relation to the kings of israel no they are reckoning time in relation to the emperor of Persia, what does this mean now israel was no longer a an independent nation per se but they were you know a, a a territory you know with a governor uh were a mere territory in a big empire and this is quite uh discouraging if you look at it in human terms you see so they are no longer independent per se but why uh, this is what the lord told them um in a um, <coughs> deuteronomy chapter 28 i think verse 31 once and he tells them that if you go back into your sin i will surely take you into captivity once again you understand that so right now the situation doesn't look good it doesn't look good and coupled with the vision and the essence of the vision you realize that the people of god were not at peace and in comparative terms if you look at the world the world was resting it was really resting now look here at what is happening now Zechariah gets a vision in the night and when he gets a vision he sees um, a man seated on um, a red horse and we are going to understand very well that that wasn't just an ordinary man if you go to um, Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 you see Joshua seeing a man whom he speaks to and he says He saw a strange man, and he says, are you for us or against us? And what did the man say? The man said, I'm I'm the head of the hosts of the Lord, or I'm the head of the host of the army of the Lord. You see that? Now, you're going to understand that every time the Bible mentions the term the angel of the Lord, in the Old Testament, he is not speaking of anything else, but he is speaking of... The pre-incarnate jesus he's speaking of jesus before he came down to become man you see that you know he's eternal he has existed before um the world was created that is what the word of god teaches us now you're going to realize that zechariah gets the, a profound vision in the night and this is what he sees he sees that man uh, who later if he is the same man that is mentioned in uh, zechariah 1 11 Uh, as the angel of the Lord uh, sitting on the red horse, then this is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Now what he sees else, the Bible says he sees um, other men of that nature riding on red horses, on brown horses, and on white horses behind him. He seems to be the commander of this very army. Now, I don't want you to be confused. There's another angel who is narrating and making interpretation to Zechariah before him Uh, you you see that that is what is happening right now in this vision now let us go deeper and see what does Zechariah see and then we shall make uh, interpretations by the Spirit of God so we can draw meaning and um, uh, get guidance that we need from the Lord and the Bible says verse 8 during the night I had a vision and there before me was a man Uh, mounted on uh, a red horse now in scripture these um um, horses appear here in zechariah 1 uh, 8 and then we are going to see those horses once again in zechariah chapter 6 and then you also find them in revelation 6 and revelation 19. you see that but in revelation 6 um the context is quite different because he points to the antichrist in revelation 19 he points to christ now here in verse 8 he says and i saw a red a red horse now this red horse is associated with war and bloodshed eh? it is associated with war and bloodshed and zechariah is not making up things here because the bible says the prophet And none of us doubts Zechariah. He was getting this directly from the Lord. You understand that? And he sees three horses here. Three men mounted on uh, three different horses, uh, you see. And there are actually four men here, but there are three colors of horses uh, that we need to uh, see here and interpret them. The Bible teaches and says, during the night I had a vision. And there before me was a man mounted on a red horse. He was standing among the metal trees. In a ravine behind him were red, brown, and white horses. Uh, Let's um, unpack this so we can uh, draw meaning. Now he says, I'm having a vision of the night. And there's a man mounted on the red horse. Now, this one seems to be the head of the pack. Now, uh, verse 11 says, and they reported to the angel of the Lord, who was standing among the mattle trees now if the angel of the lord in the metal trees um he is is properly seen as um the pre-incarnate jesus which he is he is heading this park and we are going to see them reporting to him here now if this man that is in seated on the red horse is not the angel of the Lord, like it seems. Um, we see that he is heading this pack, and he himself submits to the angel of the Lord, like we are going to see. He heads this pack. Now, in scripture, elsewhere, when we look at these horses, this red is associated with bloodshed. You see, and white is associated with peace and victory. Now, If the man that was leading the red horses, uh, the the pack of the horses was seated on a a, a red horse, that points to um, waging war. That God was waging war with who? With the nations of the world like we are going to be seeing. The context of this um, passage is that nations had afflicted Israel. They had afflicted it deeply beyond the measure that God had granted them. And because of that, God wasn't happy, and we are going to see that later. We see another or a couple of other angels seated on white horses, and they are kind of, um, they, they are kind of. The, the message is kind of sandwiched uh, between um, this great angel seated on a red horse, a red, um, a, 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 an angel that wages war uh, and kills at the command of the Lord, and then later on, uh, we see. The one that is seated on the white horse that comes with peace, um, judgment, and victory. You see that? The one that is on the brown horse is kind of obscure in, in, in this particular context. <clears throat> so what is God saying here? Um, God is basically saying, like he echoes this in, a, uh, I think, verse 14, that the Lord is basically saying, that i am disappointed at the nations and i'm full of jealousy because i was annoyed for a little while but they took this far in verse 14 he says then the angel who was speaking to me um, said proclaim this word this is why the lord almighty says i am very jealous to jerusalem and zion and we shall revisit this i am very angry with the nations that feel secure i am i was only a little angry but they went too far with the punishment you see that there us see the vision in full i I will i will will backtrack a little bit and come to um, verse uh, nine i asked what are these my lord we've already seen the angels and their meaning the angel who was talking with me answered i will show you what they are the man standing among the the metal trees explained they are the ones the lord has sent to go throughout the earth and they reported to the angel the lord who was standing among the metal trees we have gone throughout the earth and found the world world at rest and in peace then the angel of the lord said lord almighty how long will you withhold mercy from jerusalem and from the towns of judah which you have been angry with these 70 years. I will hold it there first of all. It's getting very interesting here. Friends, I want you to see. We here, we have Zechariah. Uh, we also have an angel sitting on a red horse, another angel on a brown horse, and then a couple of angels also, or another angel on a white horse. They have been patrolling the world, you know, a reconnaissance mission. They come back, there's another man that is uh, standing in the mattle trees which we are going to explain and then uh, there is the angel of the lord to whom the report and what is the report that they give the report uh, comes out in verse <clears throat> um, 11 and the reporter to the angel of the lord who was standing among the metal trees we've gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest in peace you see that and then we shall see the reaction of the lord then the the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem, from the towns of Judah? He's not happy right here. If we agree from Joshua 5, 13 and a couple of other verses, Genesis 16, 13, I think, and um, many, many other passages like in Daniel chapter 10, I think, verse 13, we see um, Daniel speaking of the angel of the Lord and those other passages. Now, if you agree that this is The pre-incarnate Jesus, Jesus before he came down to put on human flesh. And he's not happy. Now, the report that was given was not good. What was happening? The nations of the world were at peace. They were at peace and they were resting. But meanwhile, like we've already seen, Israel was not okay at all. And Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus in the angel of the Lord, gets to work. Everyone reports to him and what does he do? He gets the report and gives it to the father like we are going to see. Beautiful, beautiful scenario of things happening here. Friends, I want you to listen to this. Um, Some men of us that may need restoration in the perspective of our prosperity, comfort, and peace in as far as the glory of the Lord that could have departed from our lives need to understand this. There are times God seems to be silent and doing nothing about your situation. This is quite what Seems to be happening right now for Israel. We're back in time. This is what seems to be happening. But when we examine the situation here in chapter 1, verse 10 of Zechariah, and the Bible says the man standing among the mattle trees explained, these are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. One, we realize that the God who restores us is a sovereign Lord, He is sovereign, He's in charge of the entire world. We see him dispatching an army of angels who go to patrol the entire world and no one knows this is happening except for the fact that God by his spirit is revealing this unto us. Friends, I want you to reckon this. I want you to uh, get to ponder upon this. God is at work behind the scenes. Even when we cannot see, friends, I really, really categorically want you to realize this. God is often at work behind the scenes. Now, friends, if it hadn't been for the revelation that the Lord made through Zechariah and by these angels, we cannot get to see what is happening. You see, in the book of Daniel, we realize that it is not until... uh, Daniel does not realize what was happening in the spiritual realm until um, the angel... Um, Michael comes and tells him what was transpiring in the spiritual realm. You know, there had been an incessant warfare uh, for uh, over 21 days to the point that God had sent an earlier angel who was finding it hard to overcome those powerful demonic beings in space until God uh, dispatched a much more powerful um, angel in, 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 in the regiment of um, angelic hosts. Uh, angel michael uh, that you know simply shoved this guy aside and we we get to understand that friends sometimes we need restoration in the perspective of our comfort and prosperity and peace in our relationship with god uh, you know or in who we should be but we don't seem to see it and oftentimes we jump to conclusions that god doesn't care about us really god is at work and friends because he's the lord he's not indebted uh, to give explanations to us in any way look at the confrontation between um job and the devil he didn't know what was happening and it was quite hard for him to endure but i i i want you to get to see that god is at work behind the scenes even when we do not know he is sovereign the world is under his palm. He controls it. You know, if God permits something to come your way, just know that um, the plans that he has for you are good plans. He cannot permit anything that is going to destroy you <clears throat> in any way. You see, he's sovereign. His word teaches in Psalm 103 in verse 19 that the Lord has set up his throne on high in heaven and his kingdom reigns all over the world. You see that? He's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's sovereign when i get to situations that i cannot understand in my life my very close friends know <laughs> josh will tell you my very close friends will tell you and those that i passed that i'll tell them my wife will tell you that as well that uh, my father reigns over the whole world my wife knows that you see that and that is often when i cannot get answers to situations i go into that mode and oftentimes, god sorts out these things and when he doesn't it gives me confidence to continue trusting him because i know he's in charge the mere fact that i seem not to understand what is happening or the mere fact that things seem to go uh, the wrong way or the wrong direction uh, uh, from what my preference should have been does not make god any weaker or his will wrong for my life then Praise the Lord. The Lord knows everything that is happening. He knows everything. You see, look at verse 11. He says, And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. Now, this is uh, the order's priority right now as it works. They are coming to Jesus Christ. Of course, right now we see that he's above the angels. Some people think that Christ, that angels are below, uh, 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 above Jesus. Uh, just like um, some Jews were making that mistake. <coughs> Um, like like we see in the book of of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews uh, gives us a proper perspective of things there. And he says, who among the angels has God chosen? And he says, you're my son. Today I have begotten you. Who among the angels? You see that? So this is the proper perspective of things. And he says, we have gone. uh, They they, they, they made a report to him. And he says, we have, they they say, we have gone throughout the, the entire earth and found the whole world at rest. Uh, the whole world at rest in peace. You see that? Friends, I want us to understand something here. There are times that the heathen, people that don't even know God, seem to be enjoying a lot of peace, and yet people that love the Lord seem to be going, you know, the trajectory against them um is is one of bizarre moments is one of terrible suffering and torment and you look at yourself at 45 at 50 uh, you're not married and you've loved the lord with all your heart every man that comes your way comes to use you to exploit you and simply move on you know you trust the lord you you pray you 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 fast but you you seem to be getting one ordeal after the other now should i tell you what friend I may not have a proper explanation for that, but the one thing that I know is that the goodness of the Lord cannot be compromised in any way and neither can it be doubted. You see that there are times you look at the heathen and they appear like, you know, they have everything. Now, Esaph seemed to make this very mistake in Psalm 73 and he says, my my feet were close to, um, you know, sleeping off. When I saw the heathen having more than they they, they desired and he seemed to think that they go down um, to, to die without having suffered in any way. And there are there many of us that are thinking that you look at the heathen with a lot of money are uh, driving top of the range cars, the most recent, they drive with personalized number plates. You don't even have a bike. You, you see heathens leading, uh, you know, corporate entities that are, you know, that powerful and they seem to have everything in life. But friend, are you forgetting who the God of this world is? And if he's the God of this world, then definitely who is going to be at the helm of having these things? I do not insinuate to the effect uh, that um, then uh, we are meant to be poor as believers or anything. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that um, the, the, the exception cannot nullify the rule. You know, God is essentially good whether you have what you want or no. You see, whether you're rich or poor, he is essentially good. And what we, we actually need is he glory in the land of the living his relationship um our relationship with him this is what zechariah was uh, troubled with um his this is what he's struggling with he says the temple has to be reconstructed and when only then would the glory of the lord be restored um you know uh, back into the land and he seems to say that is all that um we really really desire that is what we need other things can wait but that cannot wait so you see the mistake that these people are making, and we see Asaph as well making the same mistake. But later on, in um, uh, verse must be 17, he says, Till I enter the sanctuary of God, that I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to Loon. And how suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away? by terrors i'm reminded of the story of lazarus and the rich man in luke 16 verse 19 onwards you see when the rich man gets to heaven is put you know on this terrible terrible side of terrible torment friends and you know reckoning what he had experienced down here on earth the little temporary wealth that he had had cannot be compared to the glory that lazarus enjoys before the lord you see that asaph himself realizes in uh, verse 25 and he says whom have i in heaven but you and earth has nothing i desire besides you <laughs> you see that when he gets a proper vision of things he goes right ahead and he says god you know what heaven is great i'm not belittling it i know they are streets of god they are Flamboyant angels. Uh, there is peace. they is, there is, there is, there are not tears when I get to heaven. There is fullness of life. But he says, when I compare everything else in heaven to who you are, they fed in your glory. That is what he says. <laughs> that is what he basically says. And in verse 26, he says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see that, my dear friend? So, uh, that is the proper perspective of things. Now, to take this further, um, things get even better in verse 11 uh, and verse uh, 12. Uh, We've seen verse 11, but now look at verse 12. When the angel of the Lord gets the report and everything that is happening, when the angel of the Lord gets the report, what happens? What does he do? Then the angel of the Lord said, Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah, which have been angry with uh, these 70 years you realize that my friend there's an invisible warfare in the spiritual realm that we see but God is at work and essentially the epitome of his power and the dispensation of his works into the world is Christ Jesus and his spirit so what we are seeing right now is things are handed over to Christ in their right perspective. yeah, The angel of the Lord, we've already explained that. And Christ takes this um, to the Father. Does this sound familiar? Does it remind you of um, what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 7, 23, 25? He says, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office comparing and speaking of the earlier priests of um, the Levitical priests of at the old covenant comparing them with um, the high priest, who is Jesus Christ of the new covenant, which is the covenant of the blood of Christ. Uh, you see, he says, And now the, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because uh, Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore, he is able to serve completely those who come. To God through Him, because He always lives to intercede for them. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful words, words falling from the pages of Scripture. You hear that and understand it, my friend, in the invisible realm of the Spirit that transcends the cosmos, right here where we are. A look at what is happening. God patrols the world. He sees what is happening. Things are not what they should be initially because of our mistakes and our sin. But when we are um, committed to coming back to Him, look at what He says. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Not idle. He is not idle. What is He doing? Interceding for you and me before the Father. We believers. What? Be glorified, Savior of our souls. You see that? He says, Lord, have mercy upon your dear son. Have mercy upon Goretti. Have mercy upon Lydia and Sarah, David, Moses. Uh, Have mercy. Father, uphold them even as they seem to be departing from your presence. Give them peace. Uphold them. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. You remember those kind of prayers that Jesus makes? Yes. Right now, your pain is before the throne of grace. And it is in right hands. God is interceding for you. And for me, friend, I don't need anything better than that. The problem is that we are sandwiched in these illusions that come our way all the time. And we seem to walk by sight. The moment you start walking by sight and you're seeking seeking answers from the physical here, that is where the problem comes in. Yeah, you are overweight because the physical does not reign over the spiritual, but rather the spiritual and invisible reigns over the physical. But you're so, you know, preoccupied by your problems, by this boyfriend that has dumped you, by your lack of job, by by the sickness and the pain that you're experiencing right now. And you're focusing on your barrenness, focusing on all these sort of things around you. You see, look at women like Hannah. If Hannah had focused on her situation and not focused on God, you know, and yet there is a time when god is going to come in and and work on things jesus sits on the right hand of the father and he surely will intervene look here at at these uh, glorious glorious points as i wind up at verse 14 things even get better look at what the lord says having received the report Eh? verse 13 says so the lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me you see so now god has received the report and what does god do he relays an answer to this angel that was addressing um zechariah the prophet and these days you don't quite need that why because you have the holy spirit that relays all this uh, information that god wants you to know this is what the savior said he said that if i don't go then the savior will not come but when i go this savior will come and when he comes what happens when he comes he shall tell you all that um uh, he he, he shall not speak on his own but he shall speak of of me and of the father all that he has gotten from the father you understand that so that is what you need right there the spirit of god guides you for me all the pain that i've soaked and endured in my life has been uh, uh, unjustifiably so wrong pain that is what i mean has been because of uh, you know not heeding to the guidance of the spirit of god but he often comes and he guides he says don't do that don't go into that relationship that is the wrong girl for you don't invest your money there that is the wrong guy for you don't go over there but oftentimes we don't heed to the guidance of the spirit of god and this is where the pain comes from as i wind up what happens finally when issues are brought before god look here at this beautiful wonderful report delivered by the lord himself through an angel then the angel who was speaking to me um then the angel who was speaking uh, to me said proclaim this one this is what the lord almighty says i am very jealous for Jerusalem and zion and i'm very angry with the nations that feel secure you see that i was only little a little angry but they went too far with the punishment referring to the nations that over time, have ravaged uh, the 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 Israelites. Nations like Babylon, nations like Egypt, nations like uh, the Romans, nations like you know. Uh, quite at this point is basically referring to the Babylonians. The Romans are not set into play. The Babylonians is uh, he's, he's referring to um um the, the Assyrians. All these people had tormented the, the 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 Israelites. You know all those guys. The egyptians at some point and later on uh, the greeks and um also the persians you see uh, and later the romans he's referring to those but there are important words here that come out he says um he he he, he says that i am jealous mm? I'm jealous that is what he says in verse 14 proclaim this one this is what the Lord Almighty says I am very jealous and I love that I don't know whether you really mean the emotion with which that statement is embedded being jealous is like seeing your wife a man inappropriately approaching your wife you see there is a way that you feel within you and this is not the first time that God is saying he is a jealous God He's mentioned this in Exodus 20, but now he says, I'm jealous. How can these heathen nations hurt you this much? How can they go right ahead to believing in supposed peace? And you're like this. So I'm jealous uh, for Jerusalem and Zion, you see, and I'm very angry with the nations that feel secure. I was only a little angry, but they went too far with punishment. Now listen to this. God is jealous on Abraham, and God feels for us. This is the point I want to make. When, when, when we hurt, God hearts as well. you see that? It's, it's, it's a glorious, glorious thing for us to know. When we hurt, God hearts, In Isaiah 60, um, 63, um, um, verse 9, the Bible teaches a wonderful, wonderful truth there. i um, speaking still of the nations that was going to uh, punish. Uh, in verse 9, he says, In all their distress, he too was distressed. You hear that and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and mercy he redeemed them he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old you know god was still pointing at how He was going to ravage uh, these nations and redeem israel and he says you see as an example as a testimony when i drew you from egypt when you were afflicted i was afflicted i love that eh? this is what he tells paul also um uh, in acts chapter 9 he says hey, paul why are you persecuting me you see that when, when god hurts uh, when we hurt god hurts if something remains there just know there is a reason as to why it is still remaining so some of these are for our own good to uh, to culture and uh, condition us in holiness you, you understand that so god hurts when we hurt and is jealous when we are hurting and secondly He says, I am going to return to Jerusalem with mercy. God acts on the premise of his mercy, my dear friend. And we love that. Mercy is an attribute that points out the grace of God. We get what we don't deserve. He says, I'm coming back to you people with mercy. I know you're not worthy. But from time um, uh, memorial, Jesus, God has actually worked with mercy. We see him in Deuteronomy 7, 7, telling them, I did not appoint you because you are the greatest of nations, but I simply loved you and I appointed you to be a priestly nation. That is what he means there. So when God comes back, he's coming back to us with mercy. Friend, some of us may have messed up big time, just like um, the nation of Israel. At that point, it was messing up, not focusing on the glory of the Lord, but he says, I'm coming to you with mercy. And you know the object of mercy? And the subject of mercy, John one seventeen says the law came with Moses, but grace and what and truth came with what? Jesus Christ. Embrace Christ and tell him, You know what? Take me back in my restoration unto the Lord. And he says, I'll return to Jerusalem with mercy. He also says, Um, Father verse 16, and therefore, this is why the Lord says, I'll return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt and the measuring line will be stretched out over jerusalem you see he's speaking of rebuilding jerusalem and the temple right now as we speak uh, jerusalem or oh, that temple was rebuilt that is true if you study the book of haggai in zechariah it was rebuilt and what this actually means is the focus of god ultimately in scripture is not on physical temples But in those days, the glory of the Lord was abiding in that physical temple. And by the temple not being there, it meant, uh, you know, that something uh, significant was missing. They finally worked on the temple, but this temple has since been raised down. I think that was in 70 AD. It was raised down. But friends, look here. This temple is going to be reconstructed and Jesus himself is going to come and shall reign in there. if you study the book of Revelation he shall reign in there in Jerusalem physically for a thousand years in what peace is going to fill the world what joy shall fill the world in those days but even much more better God has never had <clears throat> interest in abiding in physical temples stone temples no 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 god's interest like paul teaches in first Corinthians 6 15 is abiding in you and me as a temple on the inside of our lives of our hearts his glory should be dreading in us we are his people created for his glory this is his desire this is what he desires even before we are glorified his glory down here on earth should abide in our lives so he's he, he's pointing to that my dear friend and finally he says that, um, verse 17, proclaim, Father, this is what the Lord Almighty says, my towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem, hallelujah. Uh, these are millennial overtones here. He's speaking of the, the, uh, the ultimate fulfillment of the restoration of Israel in the millennium kingdom. When you go to Isaiah 11, you realize that in those days, um. man will not have a problem once again with creation. For instance, um, kids are going to be playing with vipers. Friends, who does not desire such a life? Who does not desire such a fulfillment? I don't know what you're struggling with right now, but I pray that God will touch your life, restore you unto himself, and focus on him as our source of peace, comfort, in prosperity in the spirit, which comes as a result of the glory of the Lord dreading in our lives. I don't know what you're struggling, struggling with, as just like the angels were interpreting stuff to Zechariah today we have the spirit of god if you're born again he shall interpret to you and only then shall you be kept in the secure auspices and presence of god at all times may the lord restore you and we are saying it is restoration in his glory that his glory shall abide in us only then shall you experience the comfort of the lord shall you experience the prosperity of the lord shall you experience the fullness of his joy and peace because of his presence father restore us O oh lord father forgive us for the fact that we've often focused On physical things, we focus on what is going on around us, we focus on the boyfriends that have dropped us, we focus on what could be or could have been if we had gotten that extra girl well ahead of the word of God. We focus on all these sort of things. We focus on jobs and issues like that. But today we are coming about to be restored in your glory, just like Zechariah was ministering in those days, that the temple of the Lord shall be reconstructed and that the Lord shall come and shall abide in there. May the Lord bless you. In Jesus' my name I have prayed. Amen.